in movies, TV series, video games, books, and more. This is Potential Picks. Hello and welcome back to another edition of Potential Picks. I'm your host, Taylor Sokol, and joined by my friend, co-host, and Hellfire Club member, Chris Dewar. Today's episode, we are reviewing the volume one of the fourth season of Stranger Things, the sci-fi fiction horror drama streaming exclusively on Netflix, created by the Duffer Brothers. Uh, we were very excited about this. Um, there was a big wait for this, like many shows. Because three COVID, years. Three years because <laughs> of COVID and whatnot and working on this. And there was a time when the third season ended. We weren't sure if we were going to even get a final season. There's always that limbo. But yeah, we waited a long time for this. And of course, like many, we finished it over a, a, a few days. So. Yes, naturally. But we the were world excited. did. Yeah, yeah. there was a, this is going to be what we had is... Uh, the first set of episodes, and now, of course, we're going to be waiting for Volume 2 for the mega uh, finale of this season. So, uh, just before we get into this, there will be spoilers. Spoiler warning. And you've been warned. Again, if you uh, if you don't want to watch this because you haven't watched it yet, or you've never watched Stranger Things, go back, watch it, then come back here. Uh, we'll be waiting. Uh, but, uh, you know, Chris, give us a little synopsis of this. Again, three years happening, a lot has happened over the course of time for our characters and we've got some new characters along with the ride, but um, you know what? The town of Hawkins and is never always safe. <laughs> no Hawkins is never safe. Well, season three back in 2019 ended with some big cliffhangers. Uh, you know, we, we had the big, the mind flare had, it kind of formed itself into this gross rat body, giant spider creature, uh, that Billy was involved with. And we had the big showdown at the Star Court Mall. And in that moment, uh, you know, Billy eventually sacrificed himself so that they could defeat the creature. And all while that was going on, you know, Hopper was, we thought Hopper might be dead because the bomb going off in the lab. And, you know, there was a lot going on. And the show was going to lead off with, we don't know if Hopper's still alive. Billy's been killed. Eleven will uh, Jonathan and of course uh, uh, and Joyce are going to move out of Hawkins for for a fresh start for a fresh start you know so that's going to be the first time a lot of our gang is going to be separated so that was ultimately where we left off with season three yeah and we did have a little spoiler teaser at the end of the episode where we were all of a sudden in a Russian prison and uh, we had a prisoner eaten by a demogorgon so we're wondering how the heck did this happen how do they have a demogorgon what is going on and then we finally, you know, yeah, we had this long hiatus uh, because of COVID and a lot of things. And I, I do actually appreciate that they were clear that the Duff Brothers were like, they eventually made this big announcement on Instagram and it was like, all right, season four will be the penultimate season. Season five will be the closing chapter of this show. But we're going to release this in two parts and all these episodes are going to be longer than standard episodes. And that was true. Most of these episodes, these first seven we're going to talk about today, were around an hour 15 each. And then the final episode was an hour 40. So we have a lot to dissect. And ultimately, this show for season four had to went in a route where it's like we kind of branch off into four stories. Uh, we have four groups going on with different uh, versions. But ultimately, we have a new evil in town. We have this creepy 
zombie looking hellraiser looking thing called vecna and this undead thing that lives in the upside down it's a different type of evil than we've been used to of the demigorgons or mind flayer or anything this thing can kind of haunt you it one it can speak english it can talk uh it haunts people and we see it in images of this clock and this creepy sound effects and ultimately from the moment it talks to you or you start seeing the, the visions about a week later, he will come for you and kills you horrifically. And this is like bone snapping, all this creepy stuff happening. In that first episode, we have uh, poor Christy, this cheerleader who she just, uh, you know, she wants to get a little, a little hit of some drugs. So she goes to our new character of Eddie Munson, played by Joseph Quinn, who's become instantly a fan favorite. And he witnesses her death. And this kind of leads the show of now we're having new murders happen in town. Yeah, he's the prime prime suspect. Uno, uno. And everyone thinks, you know, no one, I, I love how in, in Hawkins, they're like, this is uh, season four picks up a year after season three. About nine months, actually. Or maybe nine months, yeah. yeah. After the summer, you know, into the school year. I kind of, California. You know, and it's like, instantly they're like, well, it can't be anything weird. It has to be a natural cause. So I'm like, you see the body of this girl, <laughs> like she's been, no one's, no one's taking bones and breaking that way. It's just, it's horrific. It looks like a, she looks like a human Slurpee. It's bad. So, so clearly, yeah, Ed, Eddie has become target number one within town of what is going on. And naturally our gang who is left in town are going to start to figure out the clues and investigate. And this is going to lead us to kind of uh, where we're going to have things split off and why we're going to have ultimately four plot lines. So. Let's talk about plot line number one. We're going to talk about uh, Hopper. So as we knew, Hopper, we thought, died at the end of season three. Well, they kind of gave away in the teasers that he was not dead, which was kind of stupid. But I guess at the same point, they were like, this show's taking so long to come out. We can't let people hang in that Hopper's uh, dead or not. So Hopper's left in a Russian prison and he's, you know, being just horribly, uh, you know, battered and and he's forced to work and uh he's just it looks like he's not gonna have much chance of living well joyce and murray are gonna join forces to go save hopper uh and this is ultimately plot you know one of the four main plots and i will say murray has just become such a fun character to watch i think uh he he really adds a lot of humor of course to the show and (laughs) it's just fun to watch like what he's willing to do to help out uh brett gilman plays murray is just hilarious i will say you know a lot of people they're either on the winona rider train or they're not with this show i will say the group of people i watched were all kind of on the side of you know joyce could die i wouldn't care i i found her a little she's not the same joyce as much in the first season you know this isn't the mom anymore who's worried about her kid this is now she's worried about her friend slash potential love interest uh and I will say we see a little bit more brave side to Joyce than I was expecting. She's willing to take some risks and, uh, you know, but it was a humorous kind of like for, again, the show is so set with that eighties, uh, you know, themes of a lot of the, not only the blockbusters, but the sci-fi, the horror, the B movies, this was kind of a fun, like adventure flick that was happening in lieu with all the rest that led into a horror scene at the very end. A lot of it was kind of humorous and, you know, uh, meeting this character of Yuri, who uh, this guy, Nicola, plays Yuri. He's just like, 
a character you love to hate so much, you know, just, God, he was so annoying, but he was so like, like over the top with giddiness, even though he was like conning them the whole time, you know, it was, it was kind like, of the crazy, the crazy, the crazy foreign character. That oh, was, like, yeah. You know, yeah. But did you, do you agree with me that when they were like the plot of, okay, bring $40,000 to this guy in Alaska, and then we'll get you on a plane over to Russia. Joyce is a single mom of two. Where, where does she have 40 grand? Where does she have 40 grand to stash away? I mean, she must have sold a lot of computers or whatever she was selling, you know, hawking. Um, I don't, yeah, that was probably of all the implausible things to happen. This is probably the most implausible. And like, you know, but I do like, I, I'm still, I liked it because she is a much more reserved crazy, where a lot of the other times she was a little bit more uh, crazy with her kids and stuff like that. It was like stressing out. And I think she played more like a focus, like, she kind of never gave up hope, like in the fact that, oh my God, Hopper, I never saw him. So I I did like the fact that, you know, okay, it's like we have a job for her and she's like focused. She's she's ready to go. But yeah, it was just kind of funny. Like she just drops everything to her kids, not even worried about them. Like some of these kids are still in high school and, you know, and like you, you think like all the trauma of almost losing her kids would have like no helicopter parent. No, no. She's like, you know what? You guys survived three seasons. It's fine. Let's go. But I do love her. And Murray's relationship uh, that has formed over the couple seasons. And it just, it's just really beautiful. That is such a good pairing. And I do like it. It kind of reminded me of a kind of Indiana Jones plot as they're trying to go over. Yeah. That, which uh, that's what I like about this. Season. And even Murray, like getting to show off some like of his karate moves. And, and, he's, like, they... and he's such a, he's such a commentator. Like he kind of like <laughs> says it like it is. It's yeah. almost like a little bit of a, a that fourth wall he breaks is like, Oh, your kids are going to be fine. Like, and like some of the commentary he makes like about Russia and like, Oh, you know, like, like this whole thing, like, you know, break the doll. It's probably, so, I don't know. <laughs> like, so he is very self-aware. Is there, a, is there a mic in there? And even like when she's calling the first time to this, this number, she, you know, no clue who she's calling. And he's like, let me do it my way. Like I did, I do enjoy a lot of that humor. And ultimately we're having with Hopper Hopper's in this prison. Uh, one of the guards who, of course, is played by uh, a fan favorite from Game of Thrones who played Jack and Hagar. Uh, I hope I pronounced this right. Thomas Wolaschitha. Probably saying that wrong, totally. But he plays Enzo in this. And I will say he was fantastic because, uh, one, it's fun to see him just in a different role. You know, I've only really known him from the one uh, big role in Game of Thrones. But he is this guard who ultimately, because of Yuri, is actually then thrown into a jail as well with Hopper. And they're in this prison where these prisoners are fed very nicely for a prison, like full on, like, you know, pork and beef and all this stuff. And you find out that this is a prison that somehow in Russia, they have a demigorgon. They, how they got this demigorgon, we still don't know. That was a big kind of uh, left off for the final episode. But the, the in a kind of a gladiator style uh, arena, they throw a key at, you know, six, seven of these prisoners. They have a weapon shack. And if they go before they do the, the, the you know, the, the siren or whatever, they're going to get shot. And then they release this demigorgon and they see if they can survive. Well, Hopper is a smart guy. He's faced a demigorgon before. So at least there is a sense of I'll try to use some fire. So now I will say what I appreciate about Hopper this whole season, you know, we've watched Hopper for three seasons be this beer drinking, guzzling you know, uh, a father figure. And David Harbour has lost a lot of weight in the past couple of years. So it did make sense because he's been a prisoner that has also not been able to eat as much and stuff. 
he just looks more fit. He looks smaller, you know, the, the shaved head too, without he has no mustache anymore. It, it, he just looked like a different version, but I really appreciated his acting in this of how much he's, he's almost like, if this is my last days on earth, you know, I'm kind of the curse, like everything I touch. So I like, he's like, it's a great callback to his growth. I mean, that I realized not having going back to watch all the first three seasons, seeing his growth from like in the beginning where he was, you knew like he had lost it. He lost a child early on his marriage broke up. And I just like, Oh my gosh, I remember how far he's grown. And yeah, I think this was really great to see him in this role. I was like, man, he's become such more, like he has almost lost faith, but he's like, then he's like, I have a renewed sense of purpose. I've got to get out of here. I've got to survive. And um, I think it is funny because he had mentioned about, you know, because of when it was released, he was doing Black Widow. And because he was both in Russian prison, he's like, I have to distinguish. So he originally had the beard for Hopper for this, but he's like, no, I'll just keep it for that one there. And I think it's funny on a random fun fact, he actually took photos of the set of Black Widow and sent it to them. He's like, I know what I was supposed to, but I don't want, I wanted you to be. I don't want to be the same. Yeah. Yeah. I like (laughs) that. Which is kind of, which is kind of funny. And Harbor's got that power. I think, you know, Kevin Feige's uh, finally hear those facts. Uh, The Duffer brothers do such a good job with the show of, of setting the, the production value and, and the landscapes and everything. But yeah, ultimately we get, we do get this awesome Demi Gorgon moment in the final episode uh, of volume one. And this thing just wrecks house. I mean, I forgot how terrifying the Demi Gorgons were. Cause I was just like, it's like, they're like, Oh, you're going to go get this. I'm like, this wasn't a gladiator fight. This was a slaughter. And this I was let, a slaughter. Yeah. yeah. And no one is making it out. The only two that survive are of course, Enzo and Har- uh, Hopper. And I did love, you know, they fight off and Hopper uses the fire on his spear, which kind of helps to back Demigorgon down. But uh, they eventually get through the little like kind of gate there and the Demigorgon's left in the middle of this prison. So we're not done with the Demigorgon by any by any means. Uh, and, they're, and they're still in Russia, mind you. But it was a touchy moment to see Joyce finally reunite with Hopper and Hopper just have this smile because I like that Enzo kept asking him, you know, who, who's this woman that's coming for you? And he's like, she's not my woman. But we know that there is such a deep, like, the fact that she did all this to try to get him back is going to be uh, monumental. But they're going to be left off, still stuck in that Russian prison. There's a demigorgon. We don't know how they're going to get out, how they're going to get back to America. So that was, like, plot number one of four. The other main plot, as we said, Eleven's in California, and it's about to be spring break. Uh, and we know that Mike and Jonathan were supposed to well, no, John that was supposed to go back to Hawkins to visit and Mike was supposed to go to California. Well, Mike does fly to California. So who's very excited to see Mike 11 and also, well, <laughs> we'll get more of that later. Yeah. Um, but what do you think of, uh, I do think they set up a great amount of stuff with 11 at this new school is just heavily bullied, like heavily bullied. Yeah, it's it's very brutal and it's it's interesting because again there's we we could do a whole like and we maybe in the future we will you could do a whole episode of all the references. This is a great reference to Fast Times Ridgemont High, but also those high school bully films of the 80s, but it's it's rough and I think Eleven finally came into her own now like she's also speaking better because she could never speak before I think because of the trauma. And then now she's like completely at her element. She has her powers. So it's this whole like finding her identity but the fact that she like I've lost my only, like, f- like who I felt was my, my real true father. You know, I've lost my powers, lost the love. So she's really in, like, both her and Hopper are in a different place, but they're very, like, they've lost everything. 
And so, and she doesn't was, have her powers right now. Yeah. Um, and so that's really tough to see, but it's interesting the dynamic where now she's kind of like Will's kind of her buddy, but he's not. He's kind of like he's not really looking out for her because he's trying to figure out his own stuff. But I, I, I do think, yeah, those bully scenes were like brutal. I forgot how sometimes bad, and this is like before internet. We're looking at an 80s kind of brutal. Yeah, just brutal. And it, it also gave me like Carrie vibes. Like I, all, all I kept thinking the first few episodes of seeing poor it. Eleven just get bullied was she's at some point. Powers to she powers back. She's gonna go back and just and kill these people because that's what they deserve. Um, but it did lead to yeah. We, we, Mike does show up and there's even like you know Eleven is lying to Mike, and the big theme with Eleven this whole series has always been friends don't lie to each other. They tell the truth, and so Will's trying to even be like, she's lying to you. She's not happy here. She's being bullied and she doesn't like it here. There was the one moment where they're in the middle of the quad. And Eleven tries to use her powers on the female bully. And of course, nothing happens. The level of cringe that went through my body, I felt so bad for Eleven. I was like, oh no, like so embarrassing. And everyone now keeps doing that to her. They keep going up to her and like pretend to do it like a Emperor Palpatine attack. And of course, nothing happens. So they go to the skating rink at one point, And this is supposed to be like fun date day. And all the kids start making fun of Eleven. And at one point she gets so pissed, she takes her roller skate and she bonks the bully right on the face, like oh, full on just like dunk. And you see like her nose starts to kind of like split open a little bit and she's bleeding. So of course you're like, oh shit, that's technically an assault <laughs> right there, uh, which does put Eleven in juvie. Uh, and this is where we kind of have the deviation of the California plot. It's going to go into our two kind of main plots is Eleven is actually booked because guess what? There's no parents home. Joyce has gone off to Alaska. There's no father figure. Technically, Jonathan is not old enough to claim Eleven as, you know, as a, a, a what do you call it? Not an adult. Um, as like a, a guardian. That's what I'm looking for. As a guardian or whatever. Mm -hmm. So she's in route to juvie, but she gets picked up along the way by some government looking guys and we see again paul riser back as sam owens which was uh, great to see him again and i love that that we have this moment where he's like look there's some stuff going on hawkins i think you're our only hope but we need to get your powers back and i have one thing that i think can help and 11's like let's do it so this is where we're going to get into 11 going off to do our powers we'll get to that in a second but I do want to bring up a character that I think was pretty fun with the California vibe. Uh, we have this new character who is the friend of Jonathan. This is a lot of, uh, again, like I said, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, uh, Dazed and Confused vibes. We're having this character that just smokes the whole time. Uh, and he was hilarious. Uh, uh, Eduardo Franco plays Argyle. This guy has the longest hair on the planet and he just, he's hilarious. I think the the camaraderie between him and Jonathan is really great. And you see that the two of them with Will and Mike are like, we have to go save. We have to go save 11. So that's a big plot point for them is they're going off on this quest and they realize, well, we don't know where she is, but maybe we know someone that could hack into, you know, computers and find. And that's where we got a little scene with Dustin's, uh, uh, you know, virtual girlfriend who uh, I will say that was kind of funny. That whole house, there was just kids rump running rampant. I was like, what is this hook? Like, yeah. I was like, what is the Lost well, Boys? Yeah, it was that. It was kind of that also reminded me of like the opening scene in Caddyshack where Danny's guy with his family. Yeah. It's kind of like, <laughs> so it's like all these tropes, like 
it's it's funny, but yeah. And I was like, and then, oh, like, what are they doing in this house? Oh, it's Susie, uh, his little like brain whiz of a girlfriend. And it was just kind of funny that her backstory, like, I didn't think we'd get her. And it's like all these little characters are coming in for these big parts of the plot. And that's kind of nice because I think maybe she'll, you know, we we do hope at one point Dustin and Susie will actually meet in person. As of right now, that that may not happen. But I will say that sequence at the house where, you know, Paul Reiser kind of says, look, we're we've been looking for you but there's other other government factions that will be hunting us that whole military action scene at the house was oh the shootout oh, was the shootout oh it's ridiculous wow and yeah talk about and this is where the show does really great where with a, a, a overall sci-fi and kind of horror elements this film or sorry this show can flip on a dime where it's like oh it's like cool little cute little moments kids playing dnd next thing you know all these camera angles like doo, 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 and he's like trying to get these kids out of there they barely make it out you know and that poor cop uh doesn't make it through but damn that was like some great choreography i was like this this you know this is stranger things we're seeing the, the most crazy gun shootout right now so they're they're on the quest to try to find 11 that's kind of the big where they left off now speaking of 11 She's brought to this secret lab bunker, middle of Nevada. And as we all kind of suspected, even ever since season one, because he's popped up a few times in flashback scenes, we never really saw that Matthew Modine's character of Dr. Brenner actually died. He was attacked by the Demigorgon at the end of season one, but we never saw a body. So we never knew if he was actually dead or not. Well, guess what? He's not dead. And I love that he's back. And there's always been this weird distrust with his character. We don't know if we're on his side or not. We don't know if like if he's here just to help or if he's here for his own motives. There's always kind of a gray area with him. And I love his character, just tall, lanky. There's something creepy about him. But there is this device, the Nina project, which is this kind of like, you know, we, we see this a lot in sci-fi movies where it's like, we're going to submerge you into water and try to re-enlist these memories in you. Yeah, it's kind of like Minority Report a little bit. Yeah, a little bit, right? Um, so he's like, of course, Eleven freaks out and she sees her, you know, Papa back. Um, <laughs> but she does kind of understand that she has to go along with this to get her powers back, uh, which this leads to a whole sequence of a lot of great. It's so weird how they film it. It's a lot of these flashback scenes where they do have a stand in that I think they digitally did an Eleven face on. They did a great job because, of course, she's gotten older. But of course, she's much older now and taller. And so it's a lot of it's we're seeing the first time. Eleven really Learned did her some, powers, her powers um, which is how the whole season starts as we see this massacre of, of all the different, uh, you know, number of students that are learning these powers. And I like that we got more backstory of like what the numbers are for, like, you know, how the numbers rank, uh, the different things, how even she was bullied in there and why she's so special. What sets her apart from these other numbers. And it's not an easy process. She has to go through this tank multiple times to figure out what's going on. You know, uh, she's even at one point, she kind of keeps trying to escape. And then she even kind of comes to like, I have to do this to get my powers back. She wants her powers back, you know, even if it's at the cost of learning some hard things. It's a great, it's a great whole theme of, you know, facing your trauma. And, and that's the thing we've realized from the very beginning, this is why she couldn't talk because she repressed everything. So she kind of like, she became mute and, and, and isolated. So it's a really great overall theme with these seasons and this one especially of, you know, go, going in your past because you have to relive, unfortunately, that trauma uh, or how it defines you as a person or, uh, you know, going forward in your life. 
Yeah, trauma is a big part of this season. Speaking of trauma, as we said, Eddie's on the run. Our main crew of this is our, our big Dustin, plot, you know, uh, we got um, Max, Max, Steve. we have Steve, Nancy, Robin. They're trying to not only and Lucas and Lucas. <laughs> and I, well, I like with Lucas that they, you know, we have this new group of like the basketball team. Lucas is a part of the basketball team, but we have kind of the mob mentality of the the lead basketball player is wanting to go off and find Eddie probably to hurt him because his girlfriend was Christy and they just naturally don't believe that there's some evil presence. They think Eddie is this, I like that the show turns into like the hellfire club, which well, is well, it was the, club, the right? satanic panic that happened during that time. So they, it was a really perfect blend where, um, which is it, like you said, it's interesting, but then again, a lot of these deaths and occurrences have been, you know, kind of swept under the rug. I think the government's going to fall. Oh, there was that fire at the mall. There was this and that. So people really don't know what to believe. And it's like, what's more likely to believe something more spiritual or something otherworldly. So yeah. And then as it builds up, you just see the madness go through all these people. Like it's that whole, like, you know, he's like the Gaston of the group, you know? And he's just like, he is. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> he's yeah. like the Gaston uh, trying to find Eddie. And Lucas, at one point, you know, he keeps having that peer pressure to, to stay with the group, but he does finally lead them astray and he rejoins his friends. And they're ultimately trying to figure out okay, who is this Vecna guy? Uh, who is this, this demon? And we even have this great scene where now Max uh, is the next target of uh, Vecna. And again, kind of they look at the dates and kind of think, okay, the first time you see a vision about a week later is when Vecna kills you. And he's killed two people so far at this point. And episode four was a really touching episode because it was kind of Max's time to finally say goodbye. She kind of accepts that she's prone to die. So she writes letters to everyone. Can you imagine that? Just being like, I'm going to write whole, letters. To this me. whole sequence was really heartbreaking. Cause I'm like, never have I thought, okay, this person's going to go this one. And like, and she has to go to their mother and, and all this. And as like, she's facing her trauma and then we get a great, uh, as she's going more in these visions and stuff, we get a great, which I was surprised. Because of the horrificness of COVID that separated us and has disrupted filming, they weren't able to do this. But we get another cameo of everyone's original bully from a season ago, uh, Billy Hargrove, which I think that was really great that they were able to get Dacre Montgomery back for that bit. And really creepy how he's like, you want to join me? And like, of course, this is Vecna in her head. And he is... This is full full Freddy Krueger vibes, by the way, and Hellraiser and all this stuff. Which, which I is... do love that that was the vibe for this season because that's such a big, iconic part of uh, the era of that time is oh, you know, the, the slasher films oh, yeah. and and how he can like get into your head and you have nightmares and stuff. And it led to, yeah, Max is in this kind of creepy castle version of, it, it, you know, she's in the upside down and it looks all weird and demented and clearly Vecna is about to kill her. And the the sideline to this of how they're going to save her is for, you know, back in the fifties, similar murders happen and everyone blamed this character, Victor Creel. And speaking of Freddy Krueger, just awesome that we get Robert England in here for one episode. Horror royalty. It's great. This horror it's royalty. A- and he plays a great creepy character in this. He has no eyes. Um, and we find out that the backstory for Victor Creel is he moved into this house, which is the same house that in the upside down is where Vecna lives and you know over time things started happening the hauntings the paranormal activity 
what was going on and eventually led him to his wife dies the same way the bone crack in the eyes his daughter dies we think his son dies and he is blamed for the deaths of all three of these characters because again what what are you more likely to believe you know you're not going to think of demons there the police are going to believe that this guy did it and he even cuts his eyes out to try to join them but of course he he survives and he's thrown in jail and at one point he brings up that music was something that would actually stop the demon so this was a great scene where now I love how this has come out that this song, which has not been a big hit since probably the 80s, is now number one on like iTunes and stuff. They have to figure out what is her favorite song. And Lucas finally finds a song and it's Kate Bush's whatever, uh, Running Up Running the Hill, up the right? Hill, yeah. <laughs> and they put on her headphones and this actually allows her to see a portal open up. And so she's running. And Vecna's trying to like get her down. And eventually she does come through. And this was intense because... This show hasn't had a lot of main characters die. We've had special characters die, but not the main. We thought this was it. We're finally going to have our first big like main death, but she survives. So they kind of know that there's some way we can stop Vecna through music if need be. And man, I'll tell you them eventually finding Eddie and Eddie's a great character. Unless I love him. The, the idea that they realize that Vecna, wherever he has a kill opens a gate. So of course the bit of Watergate was hilarious that there's a gate underwater in the lake and steve is like i'll just go down there oh my god i was like people what have we learned from the other seasons you don't go in the upside down if you have to first of all go underwater get scuba gear you know come on get scuba gear or at least keep your shoes on and a shirt on because steve goes in the upside down and we have these demon bats we have the you know you had yeah, demon the demo, dogs the, dem, the demo bats now it's demon bats and these things are creepy they're huge they kind of remind me a little bit too of an alien, you know? Yeah, the, with because the, with, they have they have got basically the little tail like wraps around the neck. But yeah, they're attacking them. And of course, you know, hey, our friends come back in. Nancy and Robin come and then Eddie, they all go. And this is exciting because I love when we go back to the upside down because I, I there's there's so much they've taught. We've, okay, this is our fourth season now. There's so much going on with the upside down, but we we still don't know much about it. We still want to know more. I want to just have a whole season there. Um, but they save him. And this is where we get a nice little breadcrumbs. We wonder, we see a little bit of, you know, the dissension between Jonathan or Jancy, as people yeah. call it, <laughs> Jonathan, Nancy, or Stancy, uh, Steve and Nancy, where they've kind of seem to start rekindling their romance. There's a little bit of these longing looks. So we're wondering, because she's the first one to dive in there. And of course, we know Robin has come out to Steve. So there's that confusion. Oh, they're just platonic friends. which I, I love their dynamic so much that they're such good besties. Um but this is really great where we see, you know, as they're investigating Upside Down, we got to get out of here. But then they realize some interesting facts about the Upside Down that this was stuck in the day that Will Byers. The time is stuck that Will went into the Upside Down, which I think will be a key factor later. And and even Vecna, like, you know, I like that Dustin kind of brings up if the Demigorgons were like, you know, his his soldiers. Vecna is probably the, like mind his, flare, yeah. of the Mind Flayer is probably his like five star general because yeah. oh, it's a wherever he energy. kills he can open a gate. And of course, what does the mind flayer want to do? He wants to destroy humanity probably. So they're stuck in the upside down. Eventually I do like that. They kind of also show how, how did Will use lights to communicate in our world? Uh, it was a very cool sequence. And eventually all of them get out, except we don't get Nancy out. Um, actually, Steve's looking at Nancy like, hello, wake up. Nancy is now under Vecna's control. So now Nancy might be the next one. And I did like, they were like, you left Barb to die. And it was like, yeah, remember when Barb was screaming and you were upstairs having sex with Steve? Yeah. So again, playing with the trauma, all the all the victims of Vecna 
have some kind of guilt or trauma towards something in the past. So we don't know. Right now, Nancy's stuck in the upside down. But the big ultimate reveal of the end of the season, which was fantastic acting, he popped up in a few episodes. We had this other orderly working in the lab in all these flashback scenes. Again, Eleven's trying to get her powers. Uh, of Peter Ballard, uh, I guess is the name of the uh, character. Uh, yeah. Jamie Campbell Bauer, who you know we've seen pop up in you know Sweeney Todd. He was young Grindelwald in the Harry Potter. He was in the Twilight series. One of the, the Twilight Alturi. series. One of the uh, Alturi. He's been a lot of great. He's got cheekbones for days. Um, <laughs> he slowly starts talking to Eleven in these flashbacks and kind of being like, "Don't, don't, don't." You know. He's he's filling her with information. Yeah, don't trust uh, Papa. Don't trust know. Papa. They're they're we're all this is actually a prison. We're being held against our will. And there's a tracking thing in his neck that the way that he describes it is it's a tracking device. Well, actually, we've come to find out that it's a device that hides his powers. And you know, from the very beginning of this show, when we found out that eleven means that she was the eleventh child, and everyone else has these little tattoos. We got to meet eight in a former, you know, season. Um, we've always wondered who was number one, you know, who was the first child that was tested on Well, in this great long drawn out monologue situation. Uh, we come to find out that number one is Henry Creel. So the son of Victor Creel, the boy that we thought died in the house had always had these kind of strange powers and he has a connection to, you know, dark things. Like he has a liking for spiders and all this stuff. And so he was eventually found by Dr. Brenner and tested on. And when Brenner kind of found out that his powers were too strong, he actually put that chip in him so that he wouldn't be able to use his powers. So he's just stuck there as a lab you know, technician, if you will. Eleven makes a bond with him. She eventually takes the thing out of him. And we do find out that that big massacre at the beginning of was the show. Not, was not Eleven. Was as we not Eleven. Believe. It was him. It was number one. And we get this awesome just fight scene between the two of them uh, using their powers and him kind of describing like, look, we have these powers for a reason. And, you know, we're, you know, all other kids were so weak. You're the one that's like most like me. So I love that. It's kind of like yin and yang that kind of like, you know, they're both of the same kind of powers and mindset, but two different vast, you know, good and evil. And this fight scene eventually leads to her blasting him through and actually opening that first gate to the upside down. And he becomes Vecna within the Upside Down. So that was just like, my mind was blown. I honestly was like, this was such a good twist and a good way to, that your main villain of the season, which I'm sure will play into more of volume two, and hopefully he'll continue on for season five. Just a great storytelling of all these different past to present to. Well, just how every season is connected. You're like, it's, and and this is, this is beautiful when you have creators of a show and we know that they're finishing at season five that they had an overall arc that they're following through with. And that it's amazing when a show continues to uh, surprise you. And I was, yeah, I was really blown away. And I thought, okay, wow, that there's a lot of deeper meaning for all these characters. And there's still so many more mysteries to uncover. Yeah. So, I mean, because you have men too, the upside down, as much as we don't know, the mind flare is still out there somewhere. The mind flare is just chilling, you know, so... I do feel like we're leading to uh, a lot of great stuff that's going to happen in those last two episodes. We know that episode eight is due to be an hour and 25 minutes. Episode nine will be two and a half hours long. So we got nearly four hours left of season four to enjoy. That comes out on July 1st. 
And then uh, they did say that season five will not be as long a wait as it was for season four. So hopefully by 2023, we'll get that final season. But I think we're going to have some very dark days ahead for all of our heroes. But you know what? For the 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 longer episodes, the the darkness that this season had, it was a little creepier, a little scarier. Still had a lot of that great lighthearted comedy that this show is known for. The nods to all things 80s, pop culture, sci-fi, horror, comedy, everything. I mean, I, I I can't say that this is not anything less than a 10 out of 10 for me. I just, and this was something that, again, Stranger Things has kind of wavered here and there where people love that season. They don't like that season much. Season three kind of fell short for some people. I still enjoyed a lot of it. This just brings it back to why this is one of the best shows on TV. And I can't wait for volume two. So for me, 10 out of 10. Um, I would have uh, stopped in this podcast with you if you didn't give it a 10 out of 10. Uh, <laughs> no, I 100% agree. 10 out of 10. Um, for taking a different tone, continuing with amazing references to so much um, of horror, uh, pop culture, everything 80s. And uh, I, I also applaud another great soundtrack of a season. Oh, yes. yes the music, the, always. The, 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 the cinematography, once again, and the fact that we can add more characters and it didn't feel bogged down with too many. I felt like I wanted more. And um, yes, I cannot wait for volume two. Oh. So hope hope you all enjoyed it. And of course... If you watch this and you wanna, you can't wait till July. Go back and watch it all from the beginning. You can watch all seasons one through four, volume one of Stranger Things now stream on Netflix. And that was this edition of Potential Picks. Thanks for listening to the Potential Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at the Potential Podcast, or on Twitter at the Potential Pod. Or you can email us. Send us your positive feedback and thoughts, suggestions, and more through our email. The Potential Podcast at Yahoo.com. I'm your host, Chris Dewar. And I'm your host, Taylor Sokol. Stay tuned for more episodes on pop culture, entertainment, and nerdum. And remember, know, know your, your potential. potential.